Welcome to the Wrestling Philosophy Show, where we discuss coaching perspectives, beliefs, and techniques. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Jake Hunter is the general manager of Wrestling Mindset. In this conversation, he talks about growing up with his brothers on a farm in Blairstown, Missouri, and how it led to success in the sport. He digs into several tips for coaches and parents, such as first phrase and last phrase for the ride home, steps to build confidence through goals, and predator versus prey mindset. I really like this conversation because it gave specifics on how to improve off the mat. I hope you get something out of this too. Here we are. Today, you've joined with Jake Hunter of Wrestling Mindset. How are you doing today, Jake? Uh, doing great. I uh, plan on getting a nice little run in this afternoon after sitting in front of a computer all day. Yeah. Is that usually go-to uh, for workouts is run? Yeah, so I, it's just, it's, it's so easy. You can get a great workout in like a really short amount of time. And like, you know, sometimes my life gets kind of crazy with when I got stuff scheduled, you know, especially during like wrestling season. A lot of times we'll have, uh, I'll have workshops for a couple hours to three hours or four hours in the evening. Uh, so like I might get a 45 minute break and I know I got to go hit it hard for 25. Nice. Uh, so it makes, it makes it easy to do that. Also, the shoulders got torn up wrestling, so there's it's it's easier on the body to to use the legs now. Yeah, that that's for sure. Uh, road work or trails or just a little bit of both or anything? Pretty much all road works. So the streets of Philly. Um, the, little piece of advice: anybody that moves to a new city that wants to get to know it, just start running long distance, and you'll get to know the city so well because you'll get so bored of running the same path every single day, uh, and so it makes it makes it way easier. And then it's also that, that work from home balance. You know, um, you know I, I was in the classroom for, for five years as an educator. And when I came onto Mindset full time as general manager, one of the things that's weird about working from home, which I'm sure a lot of people experience now, is like that cutoff between work and like home, since mm -hmm. it's in the same physical place, there's no commute, can be difficult. Um, so my ideal is if I can finish work and then go get my run in, it kind of serves as my you know, um, break point. Commute. and yeah, so it yeah. kind of helps it make it. So I turn off work and I start to go into, I'm just at home taking some, some time to be with the family. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I grew up in a, a home actually was connected to my dad's uh, small business. They did flooring and, uh, blinds and, uh, he had his weight room connected and that was usually his lunch hour. He'd go back and it was kind of his midday, you know, reset. And, uh, and whether it was lunch or right after work, you know, he'd have a you know, gym and back. So, uh, so I, I grew up seeing that and living that out and you got a, balance it sometimes and get away because it works always there if you work from home so it's definitely that, that uh balancing act so uh give our listeners a little rundown of you know how you got into wrestling your background yeah so um i've been in wrestling since i was you know five years old my brother started a couple years before me you know when so when i was three i started to be around it um you know my my dad was a, a high school and, and college wrestler but he really used it more so to like stay in shape for like um uh, football and baseball. Okay. Um, so he wasn't really as much into it as much as it was just something to do for a guy that was like five, three, mm -hmm. um, you know? And so when we were growing up, I think he imagined that we would like baseball much more than wrestling. Uh, but you know, I have three brothers and it just clicked. Like, he imagined you know, or hoped? I, I think, I think he probably, I mean, hoped, imagined. I mean, I, really, he was just looking for us to stay busy and, like, you know, be involved and put us around good mentors. Um, you know, so sports was what he had been really into and what his dad had, you know, done a lot with him. Um, and so it was just kind of the way to, like, continue that and make sure that we grew up with great mentors and being active and staying busy. And 
you know, being physically fit. Um, you know, but it, it was pretty, pretty apparent pretty soon that wrestling was by far the best sport for us. Um, you know, we grew up on a little farm and, you know, between the farm work, you know, exercises he had us do, running that he had us do on a daily basis, you know, we just started to excel at the sport. Um, and then at a certain point, it kind of by middle school, I think it, wrestling was by far the main focus and everything else kind of started to take a little bit of a backseat. Um, and the nice thing was, was, you know, he really allowed that to be something that was determined by us. You know, if, uh, if one of us would have really wanted to be more into football or baseball or soccer, um, he would have allowed that. And he kind of just let us choose. And I remember like there was a point in seventh grade where it kind of like, I was faced with this choice of like, you're a pretty good wrestler. You know, do you want to start working out with like high school kids or do you want to kind of like stay with the youth kids? Um, and I decided to start going with the high school guys and it was kind of this choice. And I mean, he helped me with it and he helped to talk to me about it, but like, at that point he was starting to become more hands-off and like turn me over to other coaches. Um, and so that was early on, that was the, the biggest influence was, was my father. And then um, his influence was doubly felt because he got one of my cousins into wrestling who's much older than I am, who ended up being my high school coach. Oh, wow. So, so my first cousin, Eric Devinney, uh was my, my high school coach as well. So it's really a family affair to yeah. get me into wrestling and, and help me grow. I can relate to that same thing. I had younger brothers, dad, you know, was coached the youth phase and then kind of handed us off uh, and kind of let us do our own path. We all gravitated towards wrestling. I think, you know, naturally that was one of our better sports, but, um, but I guess where was home for you and uh, you know, what, you know, for our listeners, where was home for you and you know, what program was that with? Yeah. So I grew up on a farm outside of Blairstown, Missouri, which you can hardly find on a map. It's so small. Um, and so we started our, our youth career at Clinton high school. Uh, which is, it's kind of cool because it's come full circle and now mindset works with like all of the um, athletic teams at Clinton High School. Um, you know, so it's kind of cool to be able to come back a rid to that, that program where I started and start to help them, you know, as a, as a coach myself. So I started there and then I went to high school in Harrisonville. So it's about 45 minutes south of Kansas City, um, just a little small rural area, you know, um, on the west side of Missouri. Okay. Uh, yeah, we just mentioned the balancing act and then the, the father piece of it or you know coach piece um you know what do you kind of tell some of these parents uh, as you, you're working with programs if, if they're a little younger and maybe they don't get that balancing if they're pushing too hard or not pushing enough so it, what do you say to those parents well one of the things that i always try to get across is I, there's two very important roles for most young people and that's the role of of, of father or you know mother or parent and then there's coach um and they work best when they're not the same Mm -hmm. um, now, unfortunately, the circumstances for most people, like a lot of times there is an overlap. And I had that for the first, you know, probably 10 years of my career before there was another coach that really started to actively take that role over. And my dad could kind of hand it off, um, you know, but it's, it's difficult because coaches have to expect um, quite a lot of athletes if they're going to really push, even athletes that are dedicated it, and it's really hard to have that person also sit across the table from me at dinner after they've had to push you at practice and, you know, kind of talk to you about what needs to change at the tournament. And so if you can have both those roles, it's way easier. I mean, and, you know, one of the recommendations I always make, because um, I think a lot of people mess up, they'll do a great job, even if they've got a coach that coaches their kid, um, they do a great job at the tournament or whatnot or at practice, but then it's that ride home. And that ride home can be really a really negative experience or a really positive experience, depending on how, the, how they do it. And one of the things, you know, I think every parent should focus on is, 
know, whether the tournament went well or bad or whether the practice went great or terrible, you know, just telling them, I, I love watching you compete. I love watching you work hard. And like that right there could be the, the first phrase and the last phrase. And then if the kid decides they want to talk more about it, you know, they have that ability. But if they want to change the subject and talk about something else because they're already overwhelmed with it, I, I think it's a good time to, you know, kind of allow that, that, that child to just have that relationship with you as a, as a parent and a, and a kid rather than as a coach and, a, and, a, and an athlete. Because it, it can be a hard balancing act. And if you can separate them, it's better. And then there's those little things that you can do, little techniques or little focuses that really allow them to fall in love for the sport for themselves rather than do what we've all seen athletes do that have been in sports, which is, you know, a dad or a mom drives them out of it or burns them out or, you know, just damages the relationship so much that it never recovers sometimes ever. I mean, there right. are, I know, I know wrestlers that don't speak with their families or right. their father specifically because of the negative interaction that, that came out of the sport. Yeah. I, I know, I know some also, and it's not, uh, you know, it's sad because that's not what they're going in for. You know, they want what's best for their kid, but it's, you know, in the approach. And, uh, you know, when emotions get involved, you know, it, it's hard to kind of split that sometimes. Um, you know, with that, um, do you have any tips or things that parents can do, like kind of a checklist when they, they feel like they're getting out of line or getting on the wrong path? I know I talked with uh, um, uh, some coaches here in Ohio, and they kind of said um, – you know, some steps they did, you know, I, you know, instead of coaching, I, I filmed my kid because I knew if I was filming myself, what I was saying was going to be recorded. And that's one of their, their checks and balances. Um, anything that comes to mind, little things they can do. Yeah. Well, I think one of the first things is um, I think all athletes, and I think this conversation can happen with coaches as well. All athletes and parents should sit down and talk about, you know, what helps the athlete mentally perform well uh, when it comes to like how the parents interact with them like so if you're like look at like before matches some kids want to be left alone and some kids want somebody to chat with about something other than wrestling some kids want technical advice if you don't know what your kid wants you to do in that like let's say half hour 45 minutes before that wrestling match I, I think you're you're allowing yourself to possibly make a mistake um, you know most athletes have a pretty good idea what they're looking for you know, whether it's, you know, dad, I want you to get me pumped up or, Hey dad, let's just joke around about whatever, or, Hey, I just need to be left alone. Um, and then now uh, the hard part really is the, the conversation is not too difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the follow-up and like, when you mess up, what do you do about it? Do you, and, and this is one of the, the principles I go with as a coach or just as a mentor for young people is if you do mess up, you just got to be able to apologize and realize, you know, you're actually teaching a second really great lesson there, which is that like adults, and leaders can make mistakes and, you know, what an apology looks like in that sense. Um, and I would say the same thing in that conversation goes for after the match, right? Like, you know, do they want space? Most, most of us at some point in our coaching careers get caught up in that the kid loses their match or has a close match and you want to give them that technical advice right away. Mm -hmm. And like, you can just see on most athletes face, if you ever take a breath and look that they're just totally zoned out, totally emotional. They're not hearing anything, right? They're not ready for it. Just let them, let them go emotionally get themselves in the, in a good spot um, and much better than to give feedback. But, you know, you can have that open, open conversation. Some kids, they're not going to need feedback that day at all. Like it's not going to be helpful. They, like they just need somebody that continues to pump them up, you know, especially those kids. Like I was a very self-critical person as an athlete. So like when something went wrong, I didn't need anybody telling me what went wrong. I was going to be thinking about it, you know, for quite some time 
because I didn't like that. You know, I wanted, I wanted to do well, wanted to have success. And so having somebody else add to it wasn't effective. Um, so I think that that can be big, you know, and then, you know, I think the last piece that I would offer, my dad did a really good job of this is like, you know, emotions can with, especially a sport like wrestling where it's so one-on-one and so physical, it's not like a track race where it's like, ah, you outran me. It's like, kid might've just beat you up, right? Right. Your kid may just got beat. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not physically, it doesn't feel good. It can be somewhat embarrassing. Um, my dad always told us, he said, listen, it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to cry after a match. He's like, you put a lot into this. He's like, you know, just go find a spot where you can like get yourself taken care of in, in private. Like, you know, you don't want to do that in front of everybody. He's like, you know, so like if you're upset, if you need to cry it out, if you need to like yell and scream, just go find a spot where you can do that by yourself. And then when you're like, get yourself under control, then, you know, re-enter the gymnasium, you know, because that, that's where you see arguments erupt is like a kid does the moment. Time. And then they go back up the stands and dad tries to say, Hey, that was a good match or, Hey, you should have done this. Sometimes it's even a positive comment. And then there's a screaming thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so I think that can be good. Letting kids know it's, I mean, it's okay. It's okay for men to show emotions. <laughs> right. We're emotional people too. Especially in wrestling, you know, the, the one-on-one sport, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, a lot of ego and then, you know, disappointment. And then when you start to taste that success, we want a little more and, um, you know, no, some great points. And it's, you know, easier said than done, but it's, you know, you, you hear parents, you know, my first kid, I did it wrong, but I figured out my second kid. And it's just, you know, it's just like anything there's takes experience. So um, another point I wanted to touch on, you know, I don't want you to give all your secrets away. I know you got a lot of them and tips and tricks, but hey, you, know, you got a few hours. I can, I can try, but I'm going to need more than a few hours. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, you, um, we've all been there with, you know, kid in the room or, you know, in the classroom, whatever it is where the kid just lacks the confidence, you know, they have the ability, but the confidence in them, you know, in themselves is not there. What, what's, you know, what's some tips or what, what do you say to a kid that you, know, you come across to get, to get uh, them thinking in the right mindset? Well, one of the, one of the things I'm, I'm big on is process goals and like goals every day. Um, you know, winners win all the time. Right. And like, you know, I say that and sometimes that gets misconstrued, you know, like really what I'm about is not just winning. Winning is a outcome of doing things correctly. Um, but if you want to become confident and if you want to be able to win those, you know, quote unquote big matches, which is language I don't typically like to use, but um, you know, like that state semis, that state finals match, um, you gotta, you gotta have a supreme level of confidence. And one piece of that is just be somewhat of, uh, of an obsessive goal setter, right? Like if you're, if you look at a kid that's not confident, it's because they probably don't see that they've achieved very much because I mean, that's where confidence typically comes from is I, I see my achievements over and over again. You know, I see what I work for and I was able to make it happen, you know, by the, by the, the work that I put into it. Like I, I had to earn that. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's true confidence is when you've earned it yourself, you've bled for it, you've sweated for it. And so like one of the first things I'll do with, um, with an athlete that's really struggling with confidence is like, you're going to set multiple goals a day and like, they're going to start off and they're, they're going to be small, but, um, they're going to get bigger over time. And there's a few things here that I think become important. Number one, um, small new habits, behaviors, and discipline starts to create a new way of looking at yourself and thinking about yourself. Every single person here could go and spend 30 minutes working out a day. 
how many people actually spend 30 minutes working out a day? And it, the, the percentage is pretty low. It's not that they're physically incapable. It's that they can't get themselves to do it over and over. So they lack that discipline. And when you start having yourself do certain things every single day, and they can change, they can start to be the same, but whether it's just something as simple as like do 100 push-ups every single day, you know, especially for like a 12-year-old kid, you know, 100 push-ups every single day, you know, and a lot of times what I'll do is I'll put, have them put up a whiteboard and they'll start mm -hmm. adding it up. So the first week they have 700 up there, you know, and then all of a sudden they look up and they're like, man, I've done thousands of push-ups over the last couple months. That's pretty cool. That number keeps getting bigger. And like, I'm starting to see like a, a number that represents an amount of time I put into this. And, um, you know, so those goals start to like one, create that understanding that like, I have the ability to get myself to do whatever I want to, right? When it comes to an effort piece, um, I can stay focused longer than other people. Um, if I have big dreams, I just have to attack them a little bit every single day and I start to get there. Um, and then lastly, like they just start to believe that they can go after bigger goals, you know, because kids that aren't confident, you can give them the smallest task and they get overwhelmed, mm -hmm. you know, but like if you, you know, start them off with just like, Hey, just make it to the practice without, you know, taking an extra water break, you know, or like, um, you know, go through this practice and then you're going to spend five extra minutes working on technique or like, Hey, today you're going to go with, you know, the tougher wrestlers rather than the first year guys, you know, over time they start to see that they can do more and more. And that's where like J Rob camps and other intensive camps are so powerful. It's not that they like, sure. They learned some wrestling, but they see the limit of where they can push themselves to and then realize that that limit was false. That that limit is something they can push past, but you have to, the kids have to see that limit and that it's a, it's, it's a false construct. It's something created in their own mind that doesn't exist except with what they don't allow themselves to push past. And so I would say obsessive goals every single day, they could be physical. They could be um, otherwise like having kids say, you know, you're going to read, you know, 30 time, 30 minutes, four times this week, you know, mm -hmm. so any kid could do that. You know, you just got to get them to sit down and do it. Mm -hmm. um, and over time they start to like do that and it starts to get easier to set bigger goals, you know, and then that's the next phase that I think becomes really important is sometimes they'll fail and they realize like, Hey, I can fail, but I can get up and go do it another time. I get a second shot at this and like, yeah, there's going to be certain wrestlers that only get one shot at something, you know, like let's say somebody trying to be a four time state champ, right? Like that's a pretty um, hefty goal. And like, you know, you can miss it with a bad tournament, a bad weekend, a bad injury. Um, but most, you know, most of the kids we're working with and talking about, you know, they're not necessarily that level. They're those athletes that are in the middle that we're just trying to use the sport to just make them better people and they can achieve something great, but they may miss several other goals that they set. Mm -hmm. um, but the goal, the athlete that has seen, I can miss a goal and then continue forward positively and not let that affect my confidence. That's the kid that has a bad districts and then ends up placement state, right? Mm -hmm. They have something go really long, wrong one weekend, but then the next weekend they're able to reset and go have success because they realize like I'm a lot more resilient. I've missed a goal and then been able to get up and set another one and go get that one. So that obsessive goal setting, you know, it just, um, it, it's such a small thing. But if you can get a kid to buy in that like you're going to you're going to achieve a goal every single day and then you give them the support and that follow up, which is really important to make sure that that buy in is happening. You can really start to alter who that person is and, and, and make them into that athlete that just is a constant go getter, constantly positive, constantly aiming for more. So um, 
you know, you hear people ask all the time, you know, one factor if that uh, relates to success, would, would you say it's discipline then? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a big, it's a big area to define right, with right. a simple thing, but like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in discipline because, you know, discipline is about the way that you do everything, the way that I sleep, the way that I eat, you know, the way that I train, the way that I recover. You know, that's one of the ones that gets missed by a lot of people is, are you recovering smartly? Mm-hmm. Right? Like when you have a small boo-boo, are you icing it and taking ibuprofen or do you just ignore it? Cause you're 17 and your body feels invincible. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the athletes that have the discipline to take care of it on a daily basis, um, you know, they, they have a long ways that they can go. And it's, it's similar. It's like, I, I tell athletes, you know, it's like, if you want to be a state champ, you got to be a state champ every day beforehand. You know, you, you live like a state champion before you're a state champion. Like I, I felt like, you know, my junior year when I finally won state, you know, and I went to high school, one to win four titles in Missouri. Um, I didn't win four titles. I got two, but like, I really felt, especially after I placed at Fargo the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I was like, I'm a state champ. I just haven't proved it to everybody else yet. I know I am. I know I've already, I'm in my mind, I'm that good. I'm going to, it's going to happen. I'm going to live like a state champ every day. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's what discipline is. Discipline is living like what your goal is before you've achieved it. And if you're doing that correctly, um, I mean, it, it, it infiltrates every aspect of your life. How do I talk to other people? How do I talk to coaches? How do I, how do I go to school? Do I pay attention or, you know, do I treat people with respect? You know, discipline is, is everything I do. It's a lifestyle more than it is anything else. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. Uh, you know, like I said, I grew up, my dad was pretty organized and he didn't know everything, but he, he did what he could. And, he, and that's kind of what he said in a, a different way. You know, you know, prepare like you're a state champ. So, you know, you do everything you can within your power. And if you fall short, you have no regrets, right? You did, if you train and believe you're going to be a state champ and put the work in and you fall short, then, then what do you have to be upset about, you know? So, yeah. well, I mean, and that's why, I mean, that's why those goals are so amazing is like, they're never guaranteed. Like you can never really earn a state championship, right? Like there's a, there's a certain element of it is, is just a, it's a privilege that things went the way you wanted them to, you know, the same way like, a guy like Spencer Lee, right? Probably right. would be a four-time national champ. He didn't have the privilege to be able to give himself the shot to make that happen. It wasn't his fault. You can't, but you can't earn it with everything. Some of it has to be provided as far as the opportunity has to exist. And like, you know, sometimes you're like, you're just going to miss that mark. But like, you know, at the end, that's why goals are so cool is when you do achieve them is that they're, they're in no way guaranteed whatsoever. Like Mm -hmm. anything at any time could stop us from being able to achieve that goal you know, even if we earned it six times over, it still may not happen. And so when, when you do get that moment, it's, you know, being grateful for, you know what, this is, this is awesome. I knew it wasn't guaranteed. I was able to do it. That's amazing. Um, I know, you know, some of your talks, you talk about the predator versus prey. Um, you know, can you talk about that? Or I guess what kind of, um, you know, dialogue kids should be having or coaches should be having with, with a wrestler before a match? Yeah, well, you know, I like predator versus prey and, and, you know, as a concept, it's much more deeper than mm-hmm. just, you know, the way that some people think about it. Um, mm-hmm. it is a lot of it is about creating common language. Um, you know, a lot of coaches have talked about what you can control is your only thing you should focus on. You know, that's not, you know, a brand new concept in the realm of sports. The thing with predator versus prey that works so nicely is the, the metaphor is so apt, you know, and, uh, you know, for those that haven't heard of that, 
um, which I don't know where you've been. We're all over the wrestling world, emails and uh, social media and, and, and tournaments and everything. But, uh, you know, predators have their eyes in the front of their head, you know, because they're looking at their goal. They're looking at what they're trying to do. They're looking at what their focus is. You know, they're not worried about anything else. You know, their attention is fully forward on what am I going after? You know, and prey animals, you know, have their eyes in the side of the head, you know, like a deer. And they're reacting to their environment. You know, they're trying to escape danger. They're, they're, they're not focused on what they want. They're focused on avoiding the negative or avoiding these other things. And so as an athlete, if you're walking onto the field of competition, whether it's wrestling or whether it's football, and you're, you're worried about all those other things that are going on, you know, what, what's this kid's rank? You know, who's he coached by? What school is he from? What happened last time he wrestled? What did he get last year? Is there a college coach that's recruiting me that's up in the stands? You know, is my grandma here? Is my girlfriend here? Um, you know, if I win this match, who do I catch next? If I lose, who do I catch on the backside? I can't control any of those things. Not one of those is something that I can change. So it's a prey mindset because you're just, you're wasting energy by reacting. You can't do anything about it. So why are you worried about it? You know, and the predator would walk in that situation and, and know there's really only three things that I can do. I can control my attitude, my effort, and my aggression. And if it's not one of those three things, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take it out of my mind. Um, our mind really has a very narrow bandwidth for a conscious thought. You know, um, we, like our brains filter out so much, you know, it's like, if you live, anybody that's lived by train tracks, um, you know, forgets that the train tracks are there. You just don't, you don't hear it after a while. I, I was one of them that when I talked about earlier where we lived that train tracks and yeah. get used to it. I grew up on a farm and I thought it was totally normal and other people would come and they'd be like, man, it smells. <laughs> yep. I know what you're so saying. I no idea. I literally, it, for me, it was just completely normal to the point yeah. you don't even, you don't even right. notice it. Yeah. Um, and if you do a good job with your mental training, that's the way your thoughts start to become as they start to become really only focused on the things that you have allowed to be in that bandwidth. Um, so like it really, it changes your whole outlook on everything. Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, I always say, you know, think about that guy that everybody knows, or it could be a woman, obviously, uh, that no matter what happens, they're just positive and they always know what they're going to do. And you think about the person that the smallest thing goes wrong and they just like collapse and throw up their hands and mm -hmm. can't control themselves. Um, you get to decide who you become by what you allow yourself to experience. So like if you're allowing a lot of prey thoughts, you'll become a person that just starts to constantly look for like these reasons that you can't perform versus the person that's like, you know, think about the Jordan Burroughs quote in the David Taylor match when he's losing with about a minute left. And they asked him afterwards, you know, did you think you could win? He said, I knew I'd win. I knew yeah. I'd score those points. That's predator mindset right there. Yeah. That, that's a good example. That's a great example. Um, and one common question I like to ask, you know, people that are on, you know, was there one setback that kind of, you know, propelled you, you know, and I'm, I'm just interested to hear, interested to hear, you know, if you had one and, you know, looking back, you know, your mindset on a setback you may have had. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a, there's two ways I could take that question. One of them would be like, you know, there's a couple high school matches that I lost. Um, that like made me reimagine and like just like kind of change the way that I was looking at things. Like my freshman year, I lost a match. I only lost one match my freshman year to a freshman. Everybody else was a, like a, a sophomore, junior, or senior. And everything that my coach had been telling me I needed to work on went wrong. 
It was like every, like it was like, it was like this perfect storm of everything that he said, hey, you really need to work on X, Y, and Z. And, you know, we get caught in our own head and ego and ambition. And I just, I couldn't hear him at that point. And um, I lost that match and I was like, all right, it's time to be more humble and like hear him here because I need to change some stuff. And I was lucky that it was long enough before state for me to make those changes. And it, you know, led me to place as a freshman and, you know, that kind of continued to propel my confidence forward and put me in the spot I needed to be. So as far as like a match, like that would be probably one of the big ones. Um, and one of the things it did was it just made me realize, you know, there's, there's so much to learn about this sport, right? Like, you know, like I think every wrestler that's ever been good at some point has started to get stuck in that, that zone of like, I know what I need to know. What do these guys know? They're these old men, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and every so often we get shocked and reminded that um, you don't know as much as you think you do. And you gotta, you gotta listen to others. Um, and so that's why sometimes losses are the best thing for you. They, they, they keep you honest and they, they show you where you're, where you're lacking. Um, the second one, the biggest, the other big setback I'd point out is in my college career. Um, I did not have the college career I wanted, you know, based on some injuries, uh, based on as things started to not go well, my lack of focus, um, you know, and really struggling with confidence, struggling with improving and rising up to that level that I needed to be to be able to compete at D1. And, you know, I didn't overcome that challenge. And, you know, so for me, a lot of people, and it took me a while to get to this point. Like, you know, I think all of us that have been in sports and have had big dreams and missed them. Um, it took me a while to come to terms with it, but I will say a hundred percent, honestly, I am a way better coach because I struggled in college wrestling than if I would have been, you know, a, a national champ. Mm -hmm. like technically sure there's things you you learn along that way of, of propelling yourself even further um that you know i would have loved to learn as an individual wrestler on the mat myself but you know i can also pick those up from watching wrestlers i can pick them up from from watching other coaches i can watch matches i can still learn that bit i think what we forget um is that sometimes when you struggle like you're so stuck in your own spot that like uh, it's, it's hard to get out of it by yourself. And me being there showed me what it's like to be in that spot. And it's made me a much better coach because I have struggled, you know, up to that point in my career, for the most part, things had gone really smoothly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, fourth, second, first, first state, I was a Fargo all American. Sure. There was tough matches. I lost. There was times I didn't win. Um, there was tournaments I went to and didn't place nationally, but like overall things went really smooth. And then to have this like, you know, big dream of like, I'm going to be a great college wrestler. And then at the end of the day, being like, you know, I wasn't a great college wrestler, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I really struggled. Um, it has made me a much better coach because I've been in that spot. Um, you know, and I think too often in our sport, um, we sometimes turn towards, you know, the best performers and look to them to be the next level of coaches, which some of them are great at. Some mm -hmm. of them are great. Like you look at a Kale Sanderson, you look at a John Smith, Tom Ryan or Rob Cole, you look at some of these guys and they're incredible. They, they figured it out, right? They figured it out, but they have both of those pieces. Mm -hmm. They're the great athlete. That's also the great coach, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, I'm not going to call anybody out obviously, but mm -hmm. sometimes I've been around guys that were great wrestlers and then I'm watching them coach and I'm just like, what is this person doing? Right. Um, and so I, I think it's something as a wrestling community, we need to be thoughtful of when we think about, um, you know, high level coaching, is that sometimes, you know, reward for high-level coaching should be the level up of high-level coaching. More guys going from great uh, high school wrestling coaches to great college coaches. 
Um, you know, and part of the problem with that right now is the recruitment feature is that so many people want to wrestle for that great wrestler back in the day. Good point. And so like it makes it harder. And that's one of the reasons it exists is it makes it harder for them to then recruit athletes to come to that program. And you need, you need a certain level of athlete if you're going to reach a certain level. I mean, there's only so far you can, you can really go on just athleticism. Right. Um, you know, and like there are certain limitations, you need some of those really top level athletes that then also have that great work, work ethic and are very coachable, you know, to have those special athletes like a, you know, especially that, you're going to win multiple national titles. Mm-hmm. And then you use that, that athlete to really create a program around because it helps draw more people in. Um, you know, so I think that's one of the things in our sport that we need to focus on um, is, you know, if we have great coaches, let's find ways to have them continue to coach at really high levels. Right. And, you know, just because somebody, I mean, you see it all the time. You'll see camps and it's like, this person's a D1 All-American. They're, you know, this many times state champ. And, you know, sure, that tells you something about them, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're great at coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think there's a balance there that we need to we need to make sure that we strike. Um, and I think that's I think that's important because, like I said, that that setback in my college career has made me ten times better than what I would have been otherwise. Do you, Do you think uh, you know touching on what you said about coaches and making sure the best coaches, not just the best um, athletes or best results, get the coaching position? Do you think you know, social media and these, you know, platforms now, you know, are providing that kind of showing what kind of coach they are and what kind of, you know, person of character they are. Do you think that's helping or hurting? Uh, see, that's, that's a deep question, man. Um, I just watched the social media on, uh, or the social dilemma, I think it was, or social media dilemma, that Netflix documentary. That's really, really interesting, which is somewhat of a side note, but in one way I look at it and say, are we just uh, highlighting another skill that maybe has nothing to do with coaching. Anybody can be a great, I mean, not some people are more skilled at it than others. Right. Obviously. I know you're saying. But you can be a great social media person and an absolutely terrible coach. Right. You can, you can cut the videos of your kids mm-hmm. doing moves and make it look real nice. And you could create, you know, your memes or your, your make sure to just consistently mm-hmm. post all the time on all the main pages that people are on. And you can give the appearance of I'm in this great coach and not actually be that great at it. Um, but it, it is an avenue for those that don't have the accolades to be able to put themselves out there and make themselves a more common name. So I, I, I'm just I saying too, it, yeah, but like more accessible, I guess too. Cause you know, you know, 20 years ago, the only way to see some of these matches, you'd go to the duel, but now you can kind of see. And, um, so, you know, whether it's live streamed or whatever it is, so not necessarily, you know, social media. Um, but you know, I guess, it, you know, in the wrestling world, the wrestling coaches are very accessible. I feel like compared to other sports, right? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You could definitely, and that, that, you know, that's a, a good point of like, you know, if you look at it from the ability to watch teams or athletes from all over and use that to assess a coach. Sure. I mean, that should help, help people see that um, overall is, is that growth in, in athletes, you know, for sure. I mean, like that, at the end of the day, that's what we're all looking for is that growth and, and mm-hmm. putting great people in front of great athletes. Um, you know, okay. you mentioned the documentary. Do you have any, um, you know, documentaries or books that kind of, kind of go hand in hand with, you know, what you're, you know, from approaching sports or approaching life and, you know, the, the psyche or mindset in that approach? Yeah, well, um, uh, you know, chop, uh, chop wood, carry water, mm-hmm. um, is, is really, really good. I think Josh Metcalf is the author, I believe that's really, really good. It, it, it covers a lot of things. 
that we talk about as a program. Uh, you know, some of it, uh, you know, there is some overlap and he teaches the book is written in like a big it's a big parable about this kid that wants to be a samurai archer and like all the lessons are taught through him going through this process of becoming a samurai archer and his 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 teacher teaching him along the way through that which makes it really readable it's also very short um and like you know is really digestible for anybody like it would be a great book to read with the team and, and like go through it with them Okay. Um, you know, we do have, you know, uh, the predator mindset book that w that's a really, really good. If you're looking to like one, understand our program and kind of like what sets us apart from others, mm -hmm. you know, and a piece of that is like, you know, the applicability, like one of the things I think a lot of people, do, a lot of people have good ideas on how to, on like what you should be thinking. The follow-up is kind of where that's lacking, um, which is what allows our, our program to be really successful. Is it like, is very focused on, I'm going to change your behaviors and I'm going to give you ways to do that. Um, and then that will help the mental state. Um, the other one, this was this one's going to be oddball, but um, this book called *Sapiens* by Yuval Noah Harari. Okay. Uh, which is a long one, like a real long one. It's a pretty long book, and okay. like the the premise is trying to like have a unified history of mankind. Mm -hmm. um, and like, what is it that allowed humans to rise up from the level of um, you know the other? animals and then come to dominate the world like we do now and then like why in modern society are some societies ahead of others um and why is not every society you know necessarily equal um and one of the pieces that i think really spoke to me when it came to like mental training and athletics is um you know biologically and, and mentally like we are the same in our DNA and our same in our biology as our ancestors that were nomads on the plains of Africa or Central Asia. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, there's certain, we have these weird psychological ticks, like nerves and stress that are built into our bodies that are not meant, that should not be as serious of a problem as they are because they're, they're designed for real danger. So we create our own stressors sometimes, right? Yeah, well, it's because it's the brain is mm -hmm. misinterpreting its environment right. because of right. the way that people are acting or thinking. Um, your brain thinks before wrestling match that you're about to go up against a tiger, basically. Mm -hmm. Your brain that's, and body, that's, that's how the, it is. That's the heart rate, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the heart rate, the adrenaline, like mm -hmm. your body thinks like, oh, crap, I'm going to, I don't want to die. I got to survive this thing. And, but so many people don't realize what's going on. And so like they think there's actually something wrong because they, have to pee 12 times before right. that. Right. After they're worried about getting right. to the bathroom and back and uh. not being late. And, you know, their stomach has butterflies and they're sweaty and their heart's beating like crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, your body's misinterpreting the situation. And right. like, uh, that book, you know, was one of the ones that like kind of brought that home for me. And it's the same with like, uh, the foods that we crave, salt, sugar, fat. I mean, that's, that's biologically, biologically built into us. And that's why so many people struggle with obesity is your body craves it your body wants it it has nothing to do with like uh well this person just i don't have a sweet tooth everybody's got a sweet right. tooth you right. just trained yourself to be disciplined discipline right go back to the word discipline right and avoid certain things or mm -hmm. you've created this lifestyle that makes it easier for you to eat healthy and then some people they haven't you know some of that's education um and some of that's you know uh, other things that are going on in your life and stress um you know but i i found the book really fascinating anybody that's a uh, enjoys enjoys reading and a little bit of history uh, 
that's definitely a good one. And then yeah. there's a sequel. If you want to be terrified about the future, read a sequel. It's called Homo Deus. Okay. It is, it's pretty terrifying. I, I started the Sapiens on uh, audiobook on Audible, but uh, I, I got sidetracked wherever it may be and never finished it. But the beginning was awesome. So I might have to jump back into that and, and listen to that. Um, I guess going back, how did you get you know, connected with wrestling mindset? I guess what was that? What was that like? Yeah, so I, uh, you know, I wrestled at UPenn in college, um, okay. and that's where Jeff and Gene Zanetti wrestled as well. And Gene was gone before I, I, I came in, but Jeff was a, uh, a junior my freshman year. Um, what years were you there? Sorry. I, I got there in 2007, and then okay. I graduated in 2011. Cool. Nice. Um, you know, so, uh, so I met them at college, and then I, I went back into Missouri, and I was going to be a teacher coach. Um, went and was, got my master's, um, you know, at, at uh, Central Missouri University. Um, and then um, I had met this gal right before I left Penn. And that's what ended up bringing me back to Philadelphia. Um, you know, because now we're married, and, you know, it'll be, uh, it was five years this June. Uh, Congrats. So, thank you. Um, and so now, so when I got back and I ran into Jeff and Gene again, and they're like, hey, we're starting this you know, this company that we've been going for a couple of years now, we need some coaches. And then, so I, I came in as a mindset coach and that was like 2014. Um, and then since then, you know, I went from being a teacher in the classroom and doing it, you know, just in my spare time to, you know, I'm the full, full general, general manager. We grew our team from like 25 people when I started three years ago to over 60 people. Wow. And so we went from, I think that first, year that I was general manager we worked like 90 teams and like now we're in excess of or last year we we're in excess of 200 so wow. and we've bridged that gap from um just wrestling into other sports you know and now we're we're looking at um we're looking at going corporate and working with sales teams too so what other sports are you looking at uh so you know some gymnastics MMA um soccer is starting to become uh, a bigger bigger for us a little bit of football a little bit of volleyball um some track and field little bit of tennis wow um, so we've we've worked with lacrosse is pretty good too so we've worked with, a, with somebody from pretty much everything um it's the same basis right i mean essentially it's, right it's, i mean mindset is mindset like right. confidence is confident right. like there's different specific places that you need it but like you know it's the same thing i mean mm -hmm. and you know it's it really just is about how to like mentally perform well all the time right i mean like, how to prime the mind right you prime the mind, be ready to go. Get that mental edge over mm. whoever you're you're competing against, or or over yourself. You know, if I got a right. mental over, if I have the mental edge over who I was a year ago, mm. and I'm a salesperson, I don't care what I'm selling, I'm going to sell more because mm -hmm. I'm better than that guy a year ago. Right. And I'm, right now, I'm just competing against myself. You know. Um, so that mindset piece, I mean, it can go into any any aspect that you're trying to do. That's awesome. I was, that that's funny. That's what I was going to ask. You know, once something else in like other sports just. You guys have to be getting into other sports, but um, um, for those living under a rock, where can they find more information about you guys? Yeah, just uh, wrestlingmindset.com, you know, or mm -hmm. go on any sort of social media and just search wrestling mindset. Um, if you're if you're from another sport, winning mindset will have more relevant information for your specific sport. So, uh, Z winning mindset, um, you know, um, Z as in Zanetti. Gotcha. Uh, com is where we have uh, we host all of our other sports um and so that's been the, the cool thing is we've grown the team from a bunch of just former wrestlers um to now you know it's like we have people that we have a professional water skier who was a former college tennis coach um named Ch chelsea mills she's absolutely amazing 
Um, and so, you know, with these other sports, we've started to bring in this team that's way different than what the original group of just, you know, short, stocky wrestlers. <laughs> um, and we're, we're expanding the team and diversifying it, you know, um, you know, working, we, you know, we, we've worked with some, some groups that are mostly Spanish speaking. So we have some coaches that speak Spanish awesome. and we're just trying awesome. to do everything we can to, to impact young people and uh, you know, people at high levels of sports across the country and eventually the world. So that's yeah. the goal. No, that's awesome. Any of um, your know, personal favorite social media follows that you have in the wrestling world? Um, well, just a few for me and I'm not, I'm not huge in the social media. Okay. You know, I, I pay attention a little bit, but not a lot, but, if you're looking for like just a, a, a person that thinks deeply, that's also in wrestling, uh, Lewis Baker, who's in the Philadelphia area, okay. and helps, he's he's uh, uh, is just has a lot of really good quotes that he he likes to send out. You know, and I'm a big quote guy, so I'm always mm-hmm. looking for new ways to think. And his where he pulls from is like really diverse, like all the way from like you know stoicism to like um, you know Hindu texts. Um, you know, to like modern, modern people. Um, so Lewis Baker's really good. Um, I really like his stuff. Mike Moore is probably our, he's our most active social media uh, person. That's like not on the official company page and he's always you know, mindset. Mike is what you'll, you'll mm-hmm. hear him called and he's all over the country. If you've been to any national tournament at some point, you're going to run into mindset, Mike, you know, and he's, he's phenomenal. He's great. He's always, um, helping people at really high levels. Um, you know, all of our social medias are great. You know, the big thing we try to do is bring as much great content uh, as possible. You know, we do a series called Meeting of the Minds where we just, we do interviews, either myself or, or Mike Moore or, or Gene Zanetti, our, our CEO and founder. Um, it's just meetings with, um, you know, different influencers, you know, in different sports or across the wrestling world that, um, you know, just trying to dig into the mental side of, of, of sports. You know, we uh, send out, we do a Mindset Monday, which is a video every single week about the mental side. So there's a ton of information we try to send out and content that we create specifically. That's awesome. No, I love following your guys' stuff. And um, no, I appreciate your time. Do you have anything else for us that you want to talk about? No, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Other than, uh, we got we to gotta meet up when I head back to the lake at some point. I was yeah. For like two weeks this summer, at least. Um, just trying to get out of the city with all this COVID shutdown stuff. It was nice right. to go right. outside and not be worried about Port, Port Clinton, right? That, yep, Port Clinton. Yeah, yeah that's where we uh, camp over there. So I'm over there quite a bit. Nice area. So but, yeah. we'll have to get out on the lake and catch some walleye. Yeah, there you go. I, I've only got got out there once this summer and caught some walleye with some uh, some fellow wrestling friends. It was a good day. But um, but yeah, no, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Very very insightful uh, thoughts and dialogue, and I, I appreciate it. Of course. Have a good one, man. Thanks for inviting me.